morning, good evening, good night, everyone. That was No Guidance, Chris Brown, and Drake. I do not own the copyright, or whatever you want to call it, to that song. But I was just jamming to it before I got to speaking to everyone. Good morning, good evening, good night. This is Bud Talks Podcast, episode one, two, three. Today is Friday. September 11th, 2020. I am in my studio from Portland, Oregon. Interesting times. Not only do we still have a lot of the, I don't know if the protests are still going on considering the wildfires that are going on in central and eastern Oregon, or excuse me, more central northwestern Oregon. And a lot of smoke is in my neighborhood and in Portland metropolitan suburbs in that area or whatnot. But aside from that, there is the pandemic and wildfires and a lot of things going on politically, which I don't really speak about, but I think today I might shed a little bit of light on my I don't want to say too much opinion, but just my experience with. Is it political correctness? I don't know. But anybody listening to this, I'm more so in the realm of attracting more people to listen and even potentially bring it on a guest to follow up with this conversation. So, again, I won't be speaking too much about politics in particular, but more so of a reason why I don't get into politics or identity politics. I am, of course, a black man born and raised here in Portland, Oregon, and 2020 has been a very interesting year for not just me, but for everyone. Again, pandemic, racial injustice, which on a personal level for me, I've experienced from police and from people on different levels, on all levels. I mean, when you're a black man in America, that's kind of what just happens. You kind of see it, experience it. I take it for what it's worth in the moment. I don't victimize myself over it anymore. But before I kind of get into that, I do want to thank everyone for listening. My work is always going to be published on my WordPress portfolio site. That is vehicledigest.net. And lately, I've actually been going back and republishing my very first post my very first blog post going back to 2013 so if you don't know the history of vehicle digest i started in april 2013 when i was unemployed from my first employer out of college and started vehicle digest as an instagram account just to post pretty cars and airplanes and stuff that i saw on instagram it was not my content but i figured i wanted to express my infatuations for cars and airplanes and then Eventually, I said that to myself was boring. So, of course, I expanded that to a blog on WordPress and I wrote, excuse me, I wrote GM Infatuation or GM Driver. If you're on my Twitter, Bud Hanson VD or LinkedIn, I believe you can also see it on my Well, of course, you can go to my website and scroll all the way down to the bottom. I have over 230-something posts. But for those who are on my Twitter, 
there's a there's a it's a picture of a car of a Pontiac and I kind of talk about my very first stages of being infatuated with cars and how I kind of transpired that to the vehicles of life transpiring me to the individual I am today which a lot of times confuses people because I don't target an audience and this is kind of where I'm going to try to really stay focused on what I really want to relay today. As a black man in America and kind of, and kind of going back to the, what I was talking about earlier, the post that I'm redoing, one of them is with blissful faces. You'll probably see it republished Sunday, September 12th, or excuse me, 13th. But anyways, Um, From here, I'm going to really just kind of speak my mind and open up to how I feel. I don't like to be, I don't like to hold back. I feel like during this podcast, I have held back and I'm just going to speak my mind. So that's kind of how this is going to go. So if you have any questions, email me, write me at budhanson.com. I'm on Twitter again, budhansonvd. My Instagram account for that is budwrites, B-U-D-D, writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And probably going to be a little bit more active on that here coming up um, because I'm also going to start kind of updating my followers on the books I'm writing. And I, between my haiku, is on Amazon and Bourgeoisie, which is going through some big changes. And I know I'm all over the place here, but that's just what life's about is being all over the place and creating order out of that. So sorry to sound chaotic. This is just me speaking my mind. So. Again, thank you for listening. This is Bud Talks Podcast, episode 123. Today is September 11th, 2020. I was brought into 2020 really going through a, I, I say spiritual awakening. I was kind of at a low point, both financially and emotionally spiritually not so much physically although I had lost a lot of weight I think I was at my lowest I'd ever been probably 165 I was running a lot because I was really being in touch with the I go and I, I get into these running runners high and I've gained a lot of weight back I'm back to the weight I want to be at but it wasn't a, a I wasn't depressed or anything but what I mean by that is I was really kind of going through a lot of the I guess spiritual guidance individuals I've been listening to and kind of reading up on say a lot of people go through this journey of spiritual awakening and one of the last things they experience alone is the dark soul night and that was me experiencing my old self kind of coming back and it it brings back a lot of frustration it brings back a lot of fear and anger at a surface level and doing this alone isn't isn't ideal however a lot of people do it and it's kind of the best way because you're not really taking out that fear anger or anxiety which it kind of manifests its way to be it's not taken out on other people so uh throughout the year you know a lot of it has 
my, I guess my separation from people has been me going through that. And it's been positive up until now because I've been able to work through it. It hasn't been easy, but when I say it's been positive is that I do, I am determined to focus on the positive aspects in any moment. It's kind of the contrast that I've learned to appreciate and that when, when I am in a bad mood, I can appreciate that because I understand from that bad mood that it's not the mood I want. So I am determined to reach for the positive aspects of life. That being said, you know, coming into 2020, I was refocusing on writing Bourgeois Z, which I completed last year, but it was not good enough to sell. I mean, I was kind of embarrassed that I'd given it to about seven beta readers, but it wasn't anything close to done. And the book is actually going to change all over again in terms of the title, the trilogy name. Probably my next podcast, I'll have a little bit more update on that. But again, um, this is kind of a lot of the frustration and anxiety that I was going through during the end of the year coming out of 2019 because I had this big grand plan to publish a book, which I did in I Between My Haiku, which is on Amazon. However, Boudreaux was kind of my big idea of this is the book that's going to set me free, excuse me, set me free and kind of put me out there. And there's kind of also been a, a new epiphany of this journey, which is the image I was creating for myself to have in 2020. And I believe I'm not the only one alone in this idea that 2020 hasn't been the ideal year. I mean, there's been a lot that surprised people going on with the news and politics. And I, I just want to say that I'm not against Black Lives Matter. I'm not against any political movement that is kind of for the improvement or bettering a race of people, especially black men like myself. I haven't spoke out about it. I haven't said much about it and how I feel about it is kind of, I'm a little, com- eh, I hate to say confused because I know I just don't know how to word it, but I think it kind of plays into what I was mentioning earlier is too much identity politics. And because I'm a black man, I don't want to be, I guess, appreciated. I don't want to be assumed anything or recognized for what I do because I'm a black man, but for rather the work that I put out and the meaning behind it. I have a very interesting story and I've spoken about this on previous, I think my, one of my first couple podcasts I did back in November referring to my days of being suicidal years of it. I hate to say when the suicidal days was, but to go back and listen to my first two or three podcasts, I think I actually say when they were, but a lot of people who knew me didn't know I was going through this and I was completely silent about it. I was silent for reasons of, I didn't want to be the victim. And also the reason I was depressed, the reason I was kind of going through days, hoping somebody would just off myself for me because I was too afraid to do it is because I felt like a worthless black man and I feel like I would never 
reach the heights of who I felt I was destined to be. Whatever the hell that means, I don't fucking know. It could mean I was going to be, I thought I was going to be some superstar athlete. I thought I was going to be some high profile actor. I don't want to be either of that. I just want to write what the hell my story is about. Because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only black man who feels like this. And because I'm a black man, I do not follow kind of what's going on in the mass media I don't feel like because I'm black, I have to kind of support that. However, it doesn't mean I don't support it. So I don't want to get anybody confused or anybody off put by me saying I don't support it. What I guess what I really want to say is what I support is leading by example and being an inspiration to other black men by what I put out there, by the works of my doing, by my karma. I mean, if you read my poetry, if you read my past blog post on just meditative growth, it kind of really speaks on me as an individual and nothing to do with me being a black man. I'm a very proud black man, but I don't really go around parading that because I know I have more to offer than to be a proud black man. I mean, if you're a proud white man, so be it. If you're a proud Asian man, so be it. A proud Russian, a proud, um, I don't know, Hawaiian, Hispanic. I mean, I, I think everybody should be proud of who they are and where they're from. To feel victimized by a mass group of people is very... It's normal because I definitely felt that for a very long time, probably up until my late 20s. I broke that pattern by, I don't really know, I think just kind of understanding that. I Actually, now that I think about it, I broke the pattern by understanding what fear is and understanding fear by respecting your, yourself and respecting others as if you wanted to respect yourself. So um, when I say, you know, the inferior we feel towards other people or superiority, we might feel some of us don't even realize it because I didn't realize it until I really faced, I'm going to take a sip of water now, just one second. And my dog's walking around here. Good girl. That's my pooper scooper. Yes, right. Huh. She's just so funny. Anyways, I don't think I understood the fear I had towards other people, especially in college, until probably I got to realize that the illusion of it is an emotion that acts as a barrier. So we kind of feel as if we can't go any further than where we should go or shouldn't go. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't overcome this or you never will. It's okay to have the fear because you can't really overcome something that you don't admit. So you kind of have to accept the fear. And from there, I mean, it takes a lot of courage. I think Will Will Smith, I don't follow him on Instagram. I think I don't follow him, but I saw him post something on Instagram saying if you are 
If you have fear, if you're fearing doing something, do it scared. Because once you take the first step, it's like taking a step of faith. And that's really all it takes. I mean, faith is really kind of the hope of hand holding itself out in the dark. And take that first step. And let me tell you, I start this podcast. I don't have a mass following. One day I will. But this is kind of a a backlog or kind of a backstory of what I really plan on doing with Bud Talks. And it all starts from me taking a leap of faith and starting by myself because, I mean, I was a kid who looked, who liked to hang out by myself. Even though I had a lot of friends, I always preferred being alone. I probably spend 99.9% of my days alone. And some people say it's a superpower, it's a strength. I mean, to me, it's just the way I've always been. And what I do at that time is I just actually got done blowing in my saxophone. I think next time I'll play a melody for you all, but I like to really, I like to really explore my deep self. I do a lot of meditation, do a lot of workouts. And I, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I really want to open up to listeners and people who don't really know or understand kind of where all this comes from. I don't think I'm anybody different or special. Um, I just have a very interesting story kind of with the outlooks of life I've been able to see through different um, office settings and corporate entities and definitely have seen a lot of aspects of life and met a, a wise man, a guru who taught me a human cognitive model that really explains humanity in itself and kind of going back to me just kind of speaking freely about identity politics and for me I don't really give in too much of what's going on in the mass media like with Black Lives Matter the protest police brutality which is um, that's a big subject that I don't really want to speak too much about I have my own experiences with that but I, I think that's maybe I'll speak about it a little bit I think that is police brutality is more of a in my opinion that is something police officers are embedded with, and it's probably something that has to be fixed internally with them as an individual. Some officers are just not cognitive. Their their cognitive levels are low, meaning their judgment judgments in the moments. I mean, not every cop is bad. I mean, there are statistics out there that say just as many white men or individuals are killed as black men. And I don't really have any sources for that, but if you can, you can Google it. I think it's kind of a open out there debate. And um, again, I'm not really saying I'm, I'm against the police brutality movement with black lives matter, but I, I think it also has a lot to do with people not really understanding where the movement comes from. And, Again, I'm not against Black Lives Matter, but I think a lot of people should do some research on kind of what their message is kind of deeply embedded in. And I, I see it a lot. And kind of going back to earlier, um, when other riots were going on here in Portland, uh, I, I felt the energy towards me. I would take my dog to the dog park um, or go to the grocery store and... I remember one particular incident 
and I had stopped watching the news at this point because everything was just overwhelming, especially with COVID at the time. And there was a guy there at the grocery store who specifically said to me, I mean, he's always, I always see him there. He, I think he's a stock guy or whatever, but he told me specifically, we appreciate you. Now that's great. I don't mind people saying that, but he's never acknowledged me (laughs) until that point. And this was after the George Floyd incident. And my heart goes out to all the African-American men who have experienced police brutality and injustice. I know a lot of men are serving time for stupid stuff like that. And I've understood this for years. I mean, this kind of goes back to the 90s. I'm a black man. I've done my research on this and. I don't have to watch a documentary to kind of see what's going on. I, I, I'm one of those. I, I, I see. I've, I've just seen a lot, and it, it's overwhelming as a black man to keep being reminded of it. I'm more solution based because I know there's two things about a topic or an issue. There's the problem, and then there's the solution, and I think we are too often focusing on the problems and nobody really wants to talk about the solutions or more importantly, focus on the actions towards the solutions. So we talk about police reform, defunding the police, see a lot of different things with voting. And again, I'm not a political guy. I don't, I understand political as, I mean, just people making movements. So make to look good, but I don't think it's about looking good. I think it's about changing these policies because these policies are enforced and upheld by individuals like yourself who are listening and voters who want to see those policies in place. And I think we have a very long way to go. I mean, just hope I'm not repeating myself, which I probably am, but we're going to keep focusing on, these protests, which is essentially focusing on the problem and not the solution. It's like a dog barking at the moon. The moon's going to shine and be as bright, but there's no solution to that. And we're just going to look stupid. So I think early on the protests were positive. You kind of saw some, very big voices make some movements and people were kind of attracted in ways that, you know, there was kind of a big swift change in the awareness of the problem. But I I think we need to, and maybe it is, I think we need to focus on a mass level action towards the solutions. My big thing with solutions as well is, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. So again, not against black lives matter, but it's kind of a, one of those slogans that's easily, I mean, again, but for example, black lives matter, all lives matter, blue lives matter. I don't think it's, and it's effective in one way that it did create a mass positive movement movement but it also has its 
reaction to the opposed crowd. And if, I mean, I'm, it's not my job personally to really speak too much about this because I mean, I'm not a political figure. I have nothing to do with black lives matter. I'm not big on protesting again as an individual. I would love to more so lead by example. And if anybody wants to hear my voice and opinion, and if I've misspoken about something, I can, I'm happy to address that. But for me, I don't, I think as individuals, especially black people, we have to look at ourselves and start being more individual figures and not play victims. I know that's hard because a lot of people I've kind of, I'm not the only one who said this, but I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people embrace that victimhood for some reason and they don't really embrace accountability. So from my personal experience, I used to play the victim, but I think immediately just through a self-actualization, self-realization and reflecting back on events in my life. I mean, even with the, with the incidents in Las Vegas, when a police had pulled me over and down there pulled his gun on me for an air refreshener in the rearview mirror, that was definitely, I mean, I was definitely racial profiled and that was a black cop. I've, I've also been pointed at with the gun for fucking around on a go-kart on a university campus. I'm not going to say where and when, but <laughs> yeah, this was back in high school. So I, I, I totally understand that that goes on and police officers have, there's a plenty of, plenty of them out there with poor judgment that are on the force and out there protecting and serving, but making horrible decisions. What I disagree with, however, are the blanket movements of being against the cops because of very few that are making bad decisions. I mean, I don't know the statistics. Maybe it's 25% of them bad and 75% are good. Maybe it's the other way. But you, re you really can't be so objective. It's a very subjective way of looking at the police force and saying that because one or two, I mean, out of, I mean, you have, a, I mean, there's been a lot of incidents from Breonna Taylor to um, the recent one. Um, the guy that was paralyzed and George Floyd and there's been a lot of them that are just disgusting to even hear about but it I, I just don't think that the entire an entire group of people should be I guess blamed for it I mean I really hope 
these police officers are brought to justice and when I, or I really hope they're held accountable rather, should I say, because it's, I, I think the protests are going to get, I mean, as soon as the smoke and fire is gone, I mean, one thing that in Portland is what's frustrating to see is that these protesters are still out there downtown and they're kind of protesting and they're kind of barking at the moon again. They're, it's like beating a dead bat. I don't think there's any movement with it, but maybe there is. I think only time will tell. But for me, I, I, I personally like to put myself out there as a person of color who only focuses on positive things. Even through the ugly stuff we see on the news, police brutality, which, again, can't even say this enough. I've been seeing this since I was a kid. Kendra James, I think I was in middle school, high school when this happened in Portland. And that was frustrating to see. I mean, it hasn't really changed, even going back to, I mean, I have an uncle who left Oregon in the 1970s because of yeah, I don't want to get too much in the story of this, but I mean, he was driving a loud car, like a diesel car, and he got into it with the police and ended up fleeing Oregon. One of my uncles actually look up to, but you know, an interesting saying is history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. So I think what really has to be done is, especially with the police force, I don't, I don't think that I think training has to be restructured. You hear that a lot. If there's a better way that their judgment judgment can be tested. I don't know if you can train on judgment, but you definitely cannot train on profiling. If someone has grew up with one perspective on a group of people, you can't really change that in whatever amount of time that they're trained to be a police officer to protect and serve. That's kind of embedded in them, especially if they have to make a snap judgment that is going to determine whether their life is taken or not. But I think one big thing that I've always thought about, if you can get enough, like, for example, even though a black, one of the, one of the, black cops that pulled his gun on or nearly pulled his gun on me was black. He was patrolling an area that was, I think predominantly uh, drug violent or drug activity, gang violence. But even if you put more black men to patrol or black officers, if there's even enough black officers out there to patrol the black communities and not white cops, if that's even the issue. I mean, again, I even said earlier, I hate playing identity politics I hate the color game. I am. I've always saw myself as colorblind. When I look at people, I hate to see their color, but I look at them as me, as an individual. And this is kind of what gets me about Black Lives Matter is that we don't need, for me personally, I would say, why do we need, aside from the police brutality and everything that's been going on, for the past decades. We don't need a slogan to tell people our lives matter. 
I mean, do we? Maybe for some people who don't get it. But maybe those people need a slogan to wake up and realize that the color thing is just a different tone of skin. Maybe your cognitive level is low that you don't get it either because we breathe the same air, we'll feel the same love, we'll see the same wind blow the smoke through our neighborhoods. I mean, the fire is going to burn and our skin, if that burns too, that shit will melt off the same. So if, I guess maybe I'm speaking to people who are racist, so maybe they need a Black Lives Matter slogan. But the thing is, that's not really going to change anything because we have a reaction to every action. So again, this might sound like I'm a, I'm against Black Lives Matter. I just don't really feel that as a black man, I need to say something that I know that matters to me anyway. I'm a very proud black man. And if everyone was proud of their race, they wouldn't need to have to support the opposing race as much as they feel they do. I can't speak about white guilt. I know that's a thing. We also can't really say or do anything about what our ancestors have done. I mean, we have a whole new race of people. I mean, some of them are dumb as shit. And I think that's kind of where this whole movement was derived from. But, you know, I I really wanted to just get on this podcast as I'm in the middle of a lot of writing and different work. And I know a lot, again, is going on politically and I, I tend to stay away from it, but it's kind of kept my mind straight and my mind focused on what I really plan on doing in 2021. 2020 hasn't really been too much of a setback for me, but more of a setup facing reality and accepting where I was. I am where I am. And I support every black man. I support every black woman. Although I'm not a big protester. We've been seen protesting since the 60s. Doesn't mean I'm against it. Just on a personal level. It's not what I do. And if you can set aside whatever stigmas you have around readability, passion, grit, and someone really developing themselves, then I think you would really appreciate the work I've put out there. From my podcast to the creative writings I've done on vehicledigest.net, the poetry, and really speaking from the heart and with all good intentions to give love, share love and grow it because again, I don't have a target audience. I feel like targeting people is one form of discrimination. I mean, if I was saying I was doing this podcast just to develop or support black men, then if I was a white man, I don't know. I'd like to put myself in other people's shoes. But then I would say, okay, this is the formula. Let me turn this shit off. But just understand as a black man, I mean, I I accept everybody as who they are. And 
as if they were me. I mean, I would hope you would do the same. I know that we do live in a very, we we live in different times and I'm up to speed with reality. (laughs) So I think, but for the most part, you know, I do believe every black lives matter. I do believe that. Or should should I rather say, I appreciate the support from different communities for standing up to black lives because I think this is also, I guess on a positive note, the first time we've seen such a mass support from other races. So if you have any questions about my feelings towards Black Lives Matter, um, again, I'm not against it. Uh, it's, it's just one of the things for me that, you know, since I'm kind of a, I'm definitely not an all lives matter. I'm not a blue lives matter. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a type of person who just wants to give love and share love and inspire through my creative ways of being myself and being odd and being, I don't know, whatever the hell you want to call it. The only reason why I have brought up Black Lives Matter is because the conversation or the topic comes up a lot and I really never know how to answer it because I don't know. I guess it's just who I am. I'm a creative individual and I think that because I'm a black man, I don't like the fact that I get questions because I'm a black man. I just want questions because I'm a person. If that makes sense. I'm a human being with two eyes like you, two ears, and that's just the way I was born. Oh, man. So thank you for listening. Thank you for support me again I will be republishing a lot of my old posts from different or from the earlier days of vehicledigest.net so you can find those on Twitter Bud Hanson VD it'll be on my LinkedIn pages as well and stay tuned for updates on bourgeoisie bourgeoisie excuse me ah man Took too big of a sip of water there. Stay tuned for updates on bourgeoisie. Updates on other books I'll have coming out. I've got a lot in the tank, but I'm a one-man show, so I can only do so much in one day. But once I get to the top of the hill, some other folks will be up there too to help me. So thank you. Have a good evening. Good night. And... Good morning. Buttocks one, two, three.